This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, June 6, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. All the typical White House bluster aside, the president has issued an executive order aiming to deregulate, to stimulate the economy in the face of a pandemic. Will Yateman studies regulation at the Cato Institute. He says it's part of a larger set of moves by the White House, and he argues for longer-term reform. Congress ought to take notice. The president has been uh, notably frustrated with the reopening of the United States. He learned apparently uh, late into the month of March or early April that no, in fact, the president does not call the shots when it comes to uh, states deciding to reopen. But uh, and just under the radar, it seems I didn't see much coverage of this issued an executive order that, uh, according to him, would unleash a lot of productivity in the United States. So what what has he done and uh, how valuable is it? It's an executive order with actually a pretty darn good idea, um, and that is uh, deregulate to stimulate um, in a time when you know Congress has already passed $3.6 trillion worth of stimulus spending. Um, President Trump put forth a different idea. And, and encapsulated in this executive order, um, it repeats a lot of stuff to his credit that he's been doing since day one when it comes to this idea of, of rolling back the red tape in order to stimulate the economy. The main new component is that it directs agencies, the regulatory enforcers at agencies, to essentially lay off for a bit. Um, and the impetus behind this would be to, to give the economy some breathing space to grow. In, in you know the immediate whenever all the restrictions under which we currently endure um, are lifted, so it's it's a great idea. Uh, again, it, there's a lot of you know as with everything Trump, there was a great deal of bluster involved. I mean, I think the press release noted that it, it had a regulatory bill of rights and and this and that. Um, in fact, much of what was referred to it, it alludes to action that Trump again to his credit. Um, has been undertaking. I mean, it basically affirmed a number of actions and directions that the president had been giving over the last three and a half years. The only really novel component was, again, this this uh, direction to the enforcers to um, to pause, if you will, to, get, to give the economy some breathing space. But Congress should take notice. Um, so far, lawmakers have thrown, in essence, $3.6 trillion at the COVID problem, at the economic shutdown due to the COVID response. Regardless of the merits of that spending policy, incontrovertibly, it has been thoughtless. Uh, that is to say, there has been no deliberation attended to the spending, and there has been no oversight attended to this spending. And, and along these lines, uh, something that presents a very stark contrast with what President Trump did, this deregulate to stimulate agenda, the House of Representatives, um, the Democrat majority leadership, only days before Trump's executive order passed, or, or that is pushed through, if, if you will, um, more of the same. Uh, the HEROES Act, which is $3 trillion more in spending. And, and, you know, again, mind you, lawmakers have not started at all oversight of the first $3.6 trillion that they've spent. And and almost daily, we're inundated with stories about uh, the malappropriation 
of, of the, the COVID stimulus. I mean, I heard one story about the, the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, this is a, an entity worth more than a billion dollars, more than a couple billion dollars, but receiving this, this paycheck protection program, receiving monies from that. Um, our colleague Diego um, has, has, posed, has, has an excellent post on Cato at Liberty um, detailing sort of uh, problems or, or media reports or issues with the Paycheck Protection Program. Th- that's an aside to say that there are already issues with the first three and a half or $3.6 trillion that they've spent, yet the House has proceeded apace and, again, without any deliberation, has thrown another $3 trillion at the problem. And, and I just think that there's a, a remarkable juxtaposition if you will, between what the House did and, again, $6.6 trillion has has been passed by the House in only the last two months. That's about 30% of the 2019 pre-COVID U.S. GDP, wholly independent of all other, you know, quote-unquote, normal government spending. Um, So as opposed to that, more of the same, um, without even knowing how prior trillions, how that's worked out or how that's been spent, instead of proceeding in that vein, I think President Trump has done something very reasonable and perhaps putting on the table a, a different pathway, one that doesn't cost a red cent. And that is simply to, to give the economy breathing space to grow of its own accord. So uh, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Um, when regulators decide to regulate to issue rules, presumably that's stuff that they have to enforce. So to to what extent is, is the president saying, please ignore the rules that you're supposed to be uh, enf- enforcing? And does that pose a problem? At the outset, your question is great insofar as it demonstrates that yes, indeed, true reform um, to the extent that there are these overbearing regulatory mandates that result in excessive and perhaps even nonsensical enforcement, that true reform, these are all, all functions of congressional action. So true reform indeed must originate with Congress. There's only so much that a president can do. However, I'll note this, um, a core principle of any enforcement regime, be it criminal, be it civil, be it regulatory, is that of prosecutorial discretion. And, and indeed, that is something for better or for worse that courts are loath to second guess, um, to review. That, that is to say that um, to the extent that there is any deviation from congressional design by having the regulators pause for a second while the economy, you know, to give the economy a bit of breathing space, um, that's a problem for Congress. I mean, that, you know, I, I would love it if Congress paid more attention to the administrative state. <laughs> um, so that would be a boon. But, you know, your question gets to two things. On the one hand, yes, these are these enforcement regimes are a function of congressional action. Therefore, true reform has to start with Congress. Um, but at the same time, these policies, there is some meat on the bone, given this sort of this uh, uh, core governing concept of, of prosecutorial discretion. All right. So ideal reform is legislative reform. Uh, Undoubtedly. But in terms of uh, what executive agencies are empowered to not regulate, you know, how does that change expectations or does it really change expectations in the marketplace to unleash the kind of stimulatory effects that the president would like to see? 
I'm, I think it's impossible to know exactly to what extent uh, an actual deregulatory stimulus could entail, or certainly I, I, I'm not aware of that analysis, which would be difficult having been performed. Um, at the same time, however, and also ad- admitting, acknowledging the fact that a, a huge amount of red tape is engendered at the state and local levels. So this would be issues you know, for, for, for our federalist system to work out. However, at the federal level, I do think there is a great deal of economic good that could be done without any without societal harm. I mean, was, I'll say this. A lot of people labor under the misapprehension that every single regulation out there is the function of some uh, disinterested civil servant who is working tirelessly on behalf of, of the public good. On the one hand, there are a number of wonderful civil servants out there. But on the other hand, baked into the system, the way it's supposed to be is that it's political. Um, and, and you know, without elaborating on this point, I'll just say that um, there is it's it's not the reduction of regulation isn't coterminous with the increase of threats to society to the extent that a number of these regulations were the result of political process being pushed by special interest or people looking for carve-outs, et cetera. Um, there is a lot of uh, uh, fat to cut, if you will, um, that I do think would have a great deal of, of good effect um, in terms of economic growth. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, a great place to start is to, for Congress and, and perhaps even the executive branch of I mean, the president has resources to task to this end, but is to investigate this matter. Um, is, is, you know, I know that the president has operated, and this is what I was referring to earlier when I spoke about how this recent executive order amplified and emphasized things that have already been done. Um, he has created these these regulatory task force in in each agency. The Trump administration has that it has been looking for regulations to cut um, in order to uh, regulations that don't make sense. Um, but again, the real work has to come from Congress. Um, and to this end, I think there is a great deal of good that can be done by Congress looking into the matter. By, by con- instead of delegating this sort of research project to an executive branch agency that is obviously self-interested in, in its own in political choice theory, um, interested in its own institutional well-being, Congress ought to take this upon themselves. Um, and actually, you know, the committees with the relevant jurisdiction ought to do some... Uh, ought to take this idea that Trump has put on the table, that of deregulate to stimulate... Um, and see, hey, can can we achieve uh, the same results that we're doing by spending trillions of dollars that we don't have? Um, can we achieve these same results through deregulation? You know, again, that wouldn't cost anything. Um, so uh, at the very least, I think, well, uh, one, at the very least, I know for a fact um, that there is good to be wrought, economic good to be wrought without societal ills, concomitant societal ills through deregulation. Two, uh, I think it's... Uh, Along these lines, Congress, uh, it would behoove us all um, if they took up this mantle. And, and, and at this very time would be a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, instead of taking up another three odd trillion dollars worth of spending, um, to take seriously this idea and investigate it further. Now, I guess my my thought is that it's not clear that a a temporary regulatory reprieve ordered by the president uh, will actually have the stimulative effects. I mean, I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, it's at least difficult to see how people are going to make potentially substantial investments, uh, get their resources off the sidelines and into the marketplace 
in in a world where they don't necessarily know exactly what regulations are either suspended or at least not being held back for a while. So I'll say a couple of things about that. One, there are mechanisms. Uh, for example, the EPA during the COVID crisis um, uh, has been using these no action assurance letters that are, are in essence um, promises to regulated entities that, hey, uh, for, for the next few months, um, and, you know, it, it, of late in the last two months, EPA has been basing these letters on the fact that they can't send people into the field to, to inspect, you know, the regulated entities. Um, it was out of necessity. Um, now, it, it is possible to, in the wake of Trump's executive order, that the rationale behind such a no action assurance could be that of economic growth. I'll say this, however. So on the one hand, I do think there are mechanisms by which you can lend some certainty. Um, on the other hand, agreeing wholeheartedly um, with the reality of the situation being that you know, no amount of deregulation in a couple of weeks time is going to defibrillate the economy. Um, I'll say this. As I noted at the outset, the executive order emphasized there wasn't much new there. The only thing new is that we've, which we've been discussing, which is the, this exercise of prosecutorial discretion to have the enforcers lay off for a bit. Um, at the same time, the executive order did articulate, re-emphasize a number of actions that the Trump administration has undertaken since day one. I mean, he did campaign on a promise to cut two for one. And I'm not, I don't want to sound like a Trump booster here. I'm suspicious of all presidents, but to his credit, um, and this is something that for past Republican presidents, whenever regulatory reform has, has become a priority, it's always been, you know, with six months left in office. Trump, to his credit, made a priority since day one. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily beyond the pale to ascribe economic su successes or, or the potential that. Um, there have been uh, beneficial effects uh, facilitating potentially, uh, you know, a V-shaped recovery um, or a faster recovery based on actions that have already been taken and which were identified and emphasized and re-emphasized in uh, this recent executive order. Will Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.